Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode, another discussion here on These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and, uh, you know, continuing on with our discussion are my guys, my friends, Lieutenant Commander Dave and Lieutenant Commander Eric. What's happening, fellas? Lots of stuff, apparently. Apparently. Oh, man. Well, today we're going to be talking about, I know Eric is probably sick of hearing this word because like everyone says it to sound fancy but we are going to be talking about the penultimate episode of season one question mark or season part one of season one question mark however we want to call it um here tonight on the, on the podcast but uh before we get to that though how you guys been doing how's your week been not too bad so far not too bad so far uh, you know just largely work and uh all the fun stuff that goes along with working so <laughs> there's fun stuff that goes along with working please no. tell me about this david no there, there's there's not chase uh we don't we don't have dream jobs right it's just a slag ball and chain although i did with my uh with my bonus by myself uh what would traditionally if i were older be called a midlife crisis hmm. item hmm. uh <laughs> not a big thing but i did buy myself my first gibson uh guitar this week nice. i found one nice. it was actually located in the texas area so i'm getting it shipped from texas to ohio and nice. it may be here tomorrow and i'm going to be very happy about that so that's very fun. nice very nice so did you get like a les paul or is it one of those like spiky ones yeah it's know? a it's it's an sg let les pauls are you know <laughs> they're a little bit more pricey mm. okay I mean, at least for the ones that I want. Those are those are fenders in the background, right? Uh, yeah, yes, they are. See, look at me. I know. He knows. A thing I might be a terrible a musician, the worst musician you've ever heard in your life. But I know a thing or two. But do you know the model names? They're Stratcasters, aren't they? Now that one in the back is a Telecaster, and then the middle here is a Strat. Yes. Those are the same thing, aren't they? They're totally not the same. Whoa, here we go. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. David, please edumacate us. Uh, about the, the difference between the two guitars? Actually, yeah, let's not do that. That might take a while. Well, I mean, that. so the musical podcast, that'll be coming out, what, do we have time in 2027 now for that? Mm. Just to be safe, put it to uh, 28 just to be safe. Okay. So that you two can learn how to play guitar by then. Okay. For yeah, the it, record. Might, it might take longer than 2027 <laughs> for me to learn how to play guitar. For the record, I used to play bass guitar. Okay. And, yeah. And yeah. The, used... the, the bass that they call a bass guitar just because it's like, not a real guitar. Listen, I, I played saxophone in sixth and seventh grade band class in school. And I never got out of last chair in two years. That's how terrible I was. But can you play Careless Whisper? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> Dang. My, what, I, I can't remember. Is there saxophone story. in that song? Careless Whisper. Is there? Yeah. We'll listen to it later, Eric. And we'll... I will. I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, man. There, I just always think of like Chicago and Bob Seger when I think of saxophone. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Bob Seger, yeah. That's there's that one. too. Yeah, my uh, one of my buddies in um, 
elementary and middle school he uh when, when we got to like like the band week tryouts i don't know if i've shared the story or not like you know how you'd like test each instrument to see like which one like you're more naturally proficient or whatever so he just had it in his mind like i'm gonna go play saxophone because of lisa simpson and that was it (laughs) (laughs) oh he loved the simpsons and he's like lisa simpson played it it's good enough for me basically (laughs) so that's a reason i was i was supposed to be um with the french horn um but it was too expensive to rent at the time so my parents are like you're gonna go play trombone like all right cool because apparently figure that one out less than a french horn figure that one out interesting but well that's that's the whole reason why i played violin was because one the school i went to didn't offer the stand-up bass and that would have been a small fortune Mm -hmm. then the cello was my second choice and that was too expensive Mm -hmm. nobody wants to play viola Sorry, yes. Uh, but the uh, the violin just became the thing. <laughs> I wanted to do drums, but like they had like this like really weird like test or something like to see if like you could cut it as like a as part of like per- the percussion section. Mm-hmm. And it was just like how you tapped your leg, then you had to like tap your other leg, then you had to like or, or bounce it or whatever, then you had to like tap your toe and move your hand and, and like do like a bunch of weird stuff, but. Yeah, like the first choice was French horn, and uh, then it was trombone, and um, flute was in there too. Like um, I did pretty decent with flute, but I could not, for the life of me, make um, the reed and anything work with a clarinet to save my life. Just could not happen. Could not happen. But do you know how? To, hey, okay. So by the way, trigger warning for any bandies out there, especially like my trombones and and French horns out there. Do you know how to play a French horn on a trombone? No, I like if it's musical, assume I know nothing. So this is how you play a French horn on a trombone. You stick your hand in the bell and you play a wrong note. (laughs) There's some there's one person out there that's very upset at you right now. Yeah, they're they're about to hate tweet Eric right now. It's fine. Go, Go ahead and do it, right? Do it. Try me. Come on, Chase. I thought I thought uh, thought you'd be more of a trumpet, a trumpeteer. You could play taps and all that good stuff. Could've I can went play along with everything. I mean, I could do do that right now if you really wanted me to. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't inviting it, but you know, it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like most of the brass instruments like i can i can do but like those mouthpieces like i don't know what it is about like the trumpet and like the cornet like mouthpiece it's just i don't know that sucker's tiny man like something about like the french horn and the trombone mouthpieces are easier for me compared to the trumpet but i can i could make noise with the trumpet i've played a trumpet before and uh, it's fun good times good times so we um we got a new table today. Yeah, exciting, exciting news for um, adults. Like you get excited about like new furniture and stuff. Uh, really special though, because our friend's parents um, made it. So it's like handcrafted, like from scratch. Like they bought uh, the wood. They, I mean, it, it like, it, it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like love the table and um, 
y'all were here, so you were on our old table, and um, what y'all don't know, and what the listeners most certainly don't know, is that the ta- the table we had before this one was my grandparents' table, and um, it, I mean, it's been in the family since like the 19, I think, 30s or 40s, something like that, and it's still in pretty decent condition, as far as I'm concerned. So we don't really want to get rid of it. So we're going to eventually save it and use it for like a, a, a nook in like a bigger house or something someday. And, uh, but yeah, yeah, we got a new table and pretty darn happy with it. So, um, anyway, y'all got any other news, anything more exciting than tooting our own horn and kitchen tables? I mean, I'm, I'm going to a Spurs game, uh, Friday. Yeah. Yep. The day after the this episode of Prodigy was released, it's the first first professional basketball game I think I've ever been to in my life. Okay. Okay. Or Who's, uh, will I ever go to? Uh, do you know who they're playing by chance? The Chicago Bulls. Okay. All right. Well, Jordan's definitely not on that team. No, no, he's not. And I don't think I know the name of a single person on the Spurs team currently. Either. Yeah, I, I was about to say who even <laughs> plays for the Spurs anymore. <laughs> no, all, the, all their good players have retired. Uh, man, man. Yeah, I don't know anyone, but... Um, um, oh. It'll be fun, though. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter if you're a fan of the team or if you know any of the players. It'll still be fun. Are Are you, like, up in, like, the... Like the nosebleed oh, section, I, like I, I couldn't tell you. The person I'm going with won the tickets from on a radio contest. So where do the oh. where do you normally get seated when you win those tickets? Well, they can either be really good or really bad. Just depends <laughs> on the station. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, it could be close to courtside. It might be like more of like the mid range kind of stuff. But hopefully, you're not going to be one of the first ones to know if it rains or not. Um, yeah, it's like here's the court, here's the moon. We're right here. <laughs> I brought my binoculars so I can see what's happening. <laughs> yeah. There's a ball moving, everyone. There's a oh, the ball's going the other way. Oh, the ball's going. <laughs> That's how I felt watching like a Pistons game from time to time. Oh, I miss the Pistons. I miss uh, Grant Hill. when the Pistons were good when we were in high school. And yeah, I miss. They won Grant NBA Hill. championship. They yeah, went back man. to the finals. Lost the Spurs in Game Seven. I just miss like the old uniforms, like they like the funky colored, like the teal and and everything <laughs> like that. Not the boring, like the boring looking like. Someone just made this in Microsoft Paint uniforms, you know? You like, like the, the teal with, like, the horse? Yes. Yeah. I don't like those. Yeah, man. No, I don't like those. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Let's go. Welcome to the main event. All right, enough of that. Well, I hope you have fun, man, going to, uh, going to see the Spurs. And, uh, anyway... <laughs> all right let's let's move into the actual discussion of this episode shall we all right so this is your red alert get prepared as we're about to go into spoilerific territory as we talk about the season one episode nine um story episode whatever of star trek prodigy right a moral story yeah, can we talk for just a second about how much paramount plus sucks 
you would want to do that, right? <sighs> I'm sorry. I, I know you. I know you're getting your Paramount checks and all that, but absolutely, I am. Oh my god! You, you know, I think when we when we kind of started doing this, I was just paying for like the kind of commercial version, right? Where it was like mm-hmm. some commercials or like what whatever five ninety nine used to be. Well, when we started back up after our kind of break when, when there was no shows, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pay the $9.99 so I don't have to watch commercials. And you know what? That is a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. There totally are some commercials sometimes. It's like, no, I, I want no commercials. And then, heck, the episode didn't even load up. Until right. What, what time was it? That was, um, gosh, I think it was like 10 wasn't it it was about like it was or i'm sorry it was like 10 o'clock central so it had to been like about 11 o'clock eastern um in the morning when it showed up like yeah, it so should have normally, normally the episodes come around like 12 like pacific time that's right so yeah two o'clock central three o'clock eastern in the morning is when they're normally um popping up but yeah like that like so for anyone that didn't um go through didn't get the the opportunity to um experience you know the um the the um i don't know the great waiting game of 2022 when it came to star trek prodigy um you you missed a real humdinger man like the people of twitter were were on fire with like where is it where is it i'm sure were they really yeah like it's it's eight o'clock in the morning. I still don't well, have the, the people that stay up, like the, those people that spoil the Mandalorian for me last year, who stayed up to watch it at two a.m. or whenever the heck it came on. Right, those same people that wait up for this mm-hmm. were like tick tick tick, tapping their watch. Well, there's, I mean, there's, um, there are like some some uh, content creators that I watch, like on like YouTube. Um, like to like hear what they're thinking about about like just not just like Star Trek but like even Book of Boba Fett and like other you know current like sci-fi or current shows I'm just interested in general and they were able to do it I mean they're down in like the Australia New Zealand area so Hmm. they I mean they had it no problem other parts of the world had it no problem I think some parts of of the united states had it but like a majority just didn't and like um i was like texting y'all just to see if y'all were able to get it because i don't know if it was like a region thing even with the united states and y'all didn't have it and then randomly david's like you know what i did i googled it (laughs) well yeah i I mean i i I was just in the process of looking around but if you just google most shows it'll come up with you know like a show list and like a little play button and it redirected it back to the app i was just doing it on my phone and it pulled it up you couldn't see it like physically see the episode tile on the app but it was there so yeah it was kind of weird i i just i don't have the paramount plus app or anything like that i just have the Paramount Plus channel on Amazon Prime, mm. right? You can buy different channels, mm-hmm. and I pay I pay for the five ninety nine with ads, right? And I mostly get the that eighteen thirty three ad all the time. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like eighteen eighty three is an amazing show, by the no, way. No, but it's the same ad 
every time. It used to be like the RuPaul's Drag Race ad, yeah. but now they've changed it. <laughs> like the yep. 1883 ad. But like, I tried to go to the Paramount Plus app, but like, I can't log in. It says you don't have an account. So I like, all I have is the Paramount Plus or channel on Amazon Prime. And like, I'll just get on Amazon Prime and like, on Thursdays, it'll like, in the continue watching, which is at like the top of the Amazon Prime, it's just like, okay, there it is right there. Mm -hmm. But like, if I want to try to watch the episode again a second time, it's no longer in the continue watching. Like I have to go like searching for it. Thanks, Bezos. Yeah. But like, I didn't, I didn't try to watch till like five o'clock this afternoon and it was just, it was right there. Huh? Yeah. Um, definitely definitely some shenanigans that were were going on uh with today and i was i was like seriously sweating it like thinking like man like what if we're not able to like record it like when we like record our reaction when we normally do or what if like we're just like you know i'm like i'm like spiraling y'all like what if what if we we're not even intended to watch like watch it like what if it's all going to be like aired you know next week like the full two-parter and that's it. Like, I'm not ready to say goodbye. I don't want to go. Like, yeah, it, it was bad. I, it, it was bad. And then it popped up for me. Like it, like I said, 10 o'clock in the morning, uh, central time zone and all was well with the world once again. <laughs> oh man. But can, can we talk about that for a second? Like not, not the great, you know, hide and seek game of 2022 with this, but like the fact that this is, like we got one more episode after this week of prodigy and then maybe this fall or sometime we, next year we're going to have we just talk about again. the fact that we should have already seen this episode weeks ago like months ago i don't know if i like, want to talk about who, that whose ever terrible idea it was to split this up and so maybe it is a good thing that we're we're watching it now cuz I don't, I don't know. Also, can we talk about what you just had like a conspiracy theory? What if we weren't supposed to watch this, but we were supposed to go a week without it and watch the two episodes together? Mm. Mm. Like, uh, like, listen, we'll get to our review at the end of this in an hour's worth of time, right? One hour from now, we'll be starting our <laughs> review. Yes, that is correct. Yes, one hour from now. Um, <laughs> when we get there, like, I'll tell you how I feel about this part being by itself but i imagine the viewing experience would have been better if we got to see both of these together that's what they call a tease eric you're such a tease man i know right (laughs) (laughs) well i mean yeah there's something something to be said about that but i think i think it's a difference between a a true like 45 minute show versus what is this like 24 25 minute show yeah it was 24 and i think minutes, that, so. that's the point that i want yeah but i yeah I can, I can i can understand that yeah yeah i uh I, I don't know i'm not i'm not ready for the show to end like this show is just too good for it to end but all good things Especially right. when we have to go back to that other show. Hey, man. Hey. Hold well, on. hey, P- Picard could be good. 
listen, listen, David, you weren't here for our recaps of Picard, no, but I enjoyed season one of Picard. You were like, I really, man. I really enjoyed season one of Picard, and I'm really looking forward to season two. It'll be good. Which, by the way, this is a good segue, actually. Uh, news just broke. Um, I think it was just, well, by the time everyone's listening to this, like the last several days, uh, or several days ago, but um, it's been announced that Picard is only going to be three seasons. It has been, it's it's on the record now that it's only going to be three seasons, which was teased as like a possibility, um, you know, two years ago when it when the show first came out, but now, boom, three seasons and that's it. Well, I mean, it's hard to build a long-term show around someone who's 80 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But even well, th- unless unless you build up the supporting characters to such a pitch that you can continue with them. Yeah, but season one didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. I just want to know if Girardi's going to go to jail. That's all yeah, I want. Her. Yeah, yeah. She'll she told to her. Jail. She she told us she was going to surrender to the authorities yep. on D Space Five. Twelve, right? Was it twelve? What the, was it twelve? Was it five? Uh, she told us. She was going to surrender to the authorities. It'll never happen. It won't happen. You you know what? Here's my prediction. No one will ever talk about that again. (laughs) That's a pretty good prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I bet we won't even talk about um, about Golem Picard again either. It's going to go. I I think we have to talk about that. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. I think they're going to try and pivot. That's just my guess. But we'll see. We'll see, guys. We'll see. It doesn't matter. Whatever happens, happens. We'll find out here in a little over a month uh, what happens with uh, Season 2 of Star Trek Picard. But anyway, um, this episode of Prodigy... Was it just me, or did it seem like this was like, like breakneck speed, man? Like this episode just like flew by, like more so than even the episodes preceding it. Holy crap! Yeah. This episode was fast. It was very fast. I like looked up and I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is over?" Yeah, man. Look. In the episode, they're like, warp 9.7, activate the proto-drive, and that's exactly what happened with our viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah. Nine, we we, we, we hooked up some 9.7, we activated that proto-drive, and boom, episode is over with. And I, and yeah. Why did it have to end, guys? Why? I, I'm, a, I'm a sad cap right now, I'm a sad cap. But um, anyways, we got, we got to talk about, we got to talk about this episode. Um, fortunately, we're able to pick up right where we left off for the most part, and it's we're just talking about, you know, how we were able to still work together, um, despite having like different uh, fractured time zones, essentially, and uh, the things that Rock Talk was able to accomplish on her own with the help of others, and like the information being passed along and stuff like that. And um, I don't know if there's anything that y'all want to camp on, camp out with regarding that stuff, or just talk a little bit about like the diviner's message that shows up in like a little, I don't know, 
hologram. Well, I, I, I would just like to say I really enjoy like that Rock Talk is explaining herself in a sense and like relating her story. And we don't we don't see the whole thing, but we get the sense that she is there and she's telling the story and everyone is like really interested to hear what she has to say and like they're really invested in her story and they care about it and we see this david often says this like discovery they keep saying we're a family we're a family we're a family but they don't show that to us and so just with this little scene right here in prodigy we get like the sense that they're building a family because Mm -hmm. she's telling the story and everyone really cares even though we're not seeing the whole story yeah, 100%. I mean, that that's that's character building. That's crew building. You can write it, but you just have to you have to spend time there. You have to camp out. You have to tell individual stories uh, to yep. make to make people I mean, just care the, the, the connections. Well, I mean, Gwen, Gwen was somebody who didn't necessarily automatically fit the crew because when you think about it she was sort of like a cast above in a way you know sort of in the ivory tower so to speak in the very beginning of the series but now she's just a natural fit in there because they realize it you know she's a good person how do we know that because we've seen it we've seen her interact with the rest of the crew and show that she's not some you know evil cat slave person you know so but yeah it's uh it it was it was really it was really good to see just um again the the continuation of the continuation of, of that kind of talk and especially with rock talk because you know that was a character that very early on i i i don't know that we could care a ton about in a way and then now i absolutely do no but i mean yeah i just i really appreciate that scene even how even how short it is and and yeah we get we get family building we get real character development and that's something we'll see throughout this entire episode i think is character development especially from from dal and um gwyn as well some real true character development you know, Rock Talk has had, I mean, they've all had, right? But like, especially Rock Talk, I think has had like a lot of maturing, a lot of maturing that's taken place, a lot of character growth, um, just in these first nine episodes, uh, from where we saw her um, early on um, on Tazlamora, you know, mining rocks or mining, you know, different minerals and searching for the protostar. It's it's been a great trajectory for her, I think. Rock Talk was one of those characters that I to be honest i just didn't care a whole ton about in the in the very beginning because there really wasn't much about her aside from giving her a cute little squeaky voice you know what i yeah. mean uh but now we we actually got to spend some time and and i don't know i guess sort of rediscover the more silent member of the crew aside from like murph you know maybe one day murph will talk or something like that Murph makes cute little noises, just like Chopper. 
Yeah, but doesn't help fix things or I, oh, goes oh, contra- on solo, oh, contra- oh, solo missions or like actually contributes to the crew or gives I everybody think crap is very, when they need it. Very important to the end of this episode. I, but it wasn't even his idea. <laughs> they just did it. Oh, you're indestructible. Just do this. Do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We will, we will definitely talk about Murph. I'm sure there are Murph lovers out there that are so incredibly happy that Murph had his time to shine. He had his, his spotlight besides making the cute noises that we talk about from time to time. So, look, you got to have cute noises. Look, I mean, we, we mentioned Chopper. Look, Chopper made some great noises. Yeah, he did make he did make good noises, but I was actually just thinking in my screwed up mind, you know, if you ever wanted to use Murph as a weapon, mm. he'd be like a pretty darn good weapon. Just encapsulate somebody or take one of those grenades and just sort of drop it off or something. He could be like a real like murder slug. Mm. And he would do <laughs> it with a slug. smile. <laughs> you could turn murder a kid's slug. show real dark real quick. <laughs> like oh, he, here's here's the diviner, and then just all of a sudden you see like Murph like sneaking up behind me. Well, listen, I think Murph could be like a cute merchandise toy, like stuffed animal thing for kids if they market <laughs> this right. I mean, it's true. <laughs> here's your can of slime. It's Murph. I promise. <laughs> I want I want to cross the streams a little bit here, and I might make David and some other people a little unhappy, right? Oh no, we're crossing the streams. Don't <laughs> what cross is the, the difference? Like, like, what is the difference between cute and cuddly Murph, who doesn't talk and just makes weird little noises, and Baby Yoda, who doesn't talk and just looks cute and cuddly and makes little weird noises? Because there are several episodes. Like, there's one episode where all Yoda does is Baby Yoda does is sit in class and use the Force to grab some cookies. Sounds like you just identified the key definitive factor there in using the force. I eat to grab cookies and then I mean, eat sometimes them, he eat chokes too many people and throw up on them. Throw yeah. up. And sometimes but he's he just chokes cute people and cuddly and, and doesn't talk and makes noises. Then eventually he meditates in a, like a cool psychedelic light. And mm. you know, he gets stolen sometimes. Wow. He plays with a little silver ball every now and again. <laughs> Yeah, but that's just cute and cuddly frogs. noises. Yeah. Holds soup pots and makes memes. How many Murph memes are out there, huh? How many Murph memes are out there? I don't know. There are probably none. There are tons of Grogu memes. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. There should be more Murph memes. <laughs> Eric, Eric, you go start making the memes and put them on your Twitter and everything will be okay. <laughs> Okay, there, you'll bring balance to the fandom once again. So. And if you get enough done, Chase can make a Twitter poll as to which one is the best. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. We, we have a true story right there. Because um, people only listen to this podcast for the Twitter poll, you know what I'm saying? And spoiler, or tease, we have a Twitter poll. <laughs> yeah, Later. you know, see, seeing Eric's eyes just glass over at the end of the episode when there's no Twitter poll is is honestly pretty sad. Wait, there's no Twitter poll? Yeah, yeah, there wasn't <laughs> one the one time before, yeah. Or the time before that? Or the time before that? You know, I got to get my I got to get my Twitter fix, right? <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, so we're 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 retelling the story of like what happened in um, in Time of Mock, and then we we 
you know, we're, we're keeping the story going, right? With um, like the dreadnought head falling over and we're seeing this like uploaded message from the diviner um, saying, you know, come back to me at first, but then like retelling like, hey, get your butt back, your butt back here or else this is going to happen essentially. Um, come back or people gonna get done died and um, that's not gonna be good for y'all basically. I want the ship. I'll give you the, the folks here on the, the asteroid, Tars Lamora, and um, all will be well, which we know all will not be well because it's the diviner and he's the bad guy. So where is he? Dun, dun, dun. Or does he just have motivations we don't know about? Mm. <sighs> Maybe Character he's the Federation president and he just is stuck. He needs a ride home or something. That's a big secret. My progeny. I was once the Federation president. Chakotay betrayed me. Yeah. What if he the left diviner, me here to die? What if the diviner was Chakotay's like number one originally? Oh. Oh. God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> or what if Chakotay is actually somewhere on Tars Lamora, and not only him but the ship were also stranded there? And he's in like this super remote, random well, backwater cave, just didn't rotting. We, didn't we come to the conclusion that this takes place in like 600 years after Voyager? Look, man, time travel. We, we slingshot around the sun. Maybe they, they hijacked the board queen. Cryostasis, carbonite, you know, stuff like that. Crossing the stream. We already crossed the streams. It's too late for that. Well, if it was carbonite, he would probably be completely blind by now. So, it's yeah. fine. They're, they'll get like a hypospray, you know, twenty cc's of inaprovaline. It'll be fine. They can give him new bionic eyes. It's fine. Uh, yes. Okay. This is a part that I know Eric is going to absolutely love. That he he probably did absolutely love about this episode. We we find ourselves thinking about what to do and where do we find ourselves thinking about it eric tell us where where do we find ourselves thinking about it man sitting around a table and oh, yeah and in the observation lounge and we're talking to each other yes wow. we are yeah <laughs> no, buddy no good stuff good stuff always love a good conference table observation lounge good discussion and they're just deciding hey what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Are we going to go back? We know we can't trust this guy. We know he's got something planned. What are we going to do? And Dal is sitting there and he's like, Janeway, I know you're listening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she just pops up. It's a difficult decision. But, you know, in the end of the day, it's all, all up to the captain, right? You, you have the final say in you declared yourself the captain, right? They didn't vote you the captain. You chose to call yourself the captain and put yourself in charge. And this is one of those things that comes with being the captain is you have to make the tough decisions here. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I mean, this isn't, um, maybe it's not like super important, but it was just a moment that I really liked. And I don't know why I like it so much when zero does this kind of stuff, but and I'm not trying to be funny, but it's going to come off as funny, maybe. But I just love it whenever Zero pulls up a diagram and like just explains a diagram. I don't know why I like it when Zero does it, but like 
Zero pulls up the diagram or the, you know, the map, whatever, the star chart, and is like, okay, here are our options. We can either proto-warp to the Federation and hope that they can do something about it, or basically we we proto-jump to back to Tars Lamora and basically it's a no-win scenario. And like, what do we do? And that's and like everyone like just is like debate not debating it but just like thinking through it and you know of course dal is being very pensive about it and very reserved throughout this whole thing but i don't know like between between talking about the the star chart and the option this week um talking about a warp core matrix and like the damp sign curve damp sign wave thing last week and like the prior weeks i just love zero when when zero does that i don't know why it's just i don't know I don't know. Well, I mean, it could be because you're actually seeing like a real science officer for like the first time in forever. That's possible. Who's a science officer aboard Discovery? No one knows because no one knows what anybody is. It's um, um, no, not you. No, 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 not that. The that no, over there no, to the left, one back. That that one <laughs> behind the bulkhead. Yeah. Yeah, by the person with the flamethrower who's who's getting paid overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know what? One thing I actually like about this whole kind of discussion here, and one of my gripes about Discovery is that you know nobody has a clear, like a clearly defined role, mm. and there's so much consensus about everything, which is fine. I mean, I get it, but th this show is setting up a lot like old school Trek where it's it's not really a consensus it really does come down to the hierarchy and it does come down to the captain everybody can have their opinion everybody can bring data to the table but ultimately you do come down to it it's a captain level decision mm -hmm. and whereas Dal was self-appointed I think it's it's relatively clear that within the past couple of episodes he has become the crew's captain not just by default but by actual development yeah and i like the fact that we're not just going with the sort of the popular choice or the the general consensus it really does come down to here's here's the argument here's what we can do here are potential plans which they discuss after sort of the decision on which way to go and um i i don't know i i, I just appreciate that a lot more about this show because it just hasn't been very evident in a lot of the other stuff. Even Picard, because you know Picard wasn't captain of the ship; it was Rios. But mm. Picard's also Picard, so yeah, you know it's it's a, there's a, there's been a lot of everyone looking towards each other. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Hey, uh, what do you want to do? No, I don't know. But what do you want to do? And then in, in this instance, everybody's more on the same page but it does come down to sort of that hierarchical hi hierarchy structure that we've kind of become familiar with throughout the the series because like even Janeway were there challenges to Janeway's commands yeah sure were there challenges to Ben Sisko's commands sure Picard's commands sure but ultimately it did come down to the captain's decision and then they executed it so yeah and I, I want to camp out on this part like too like we have like a very brief moment like where they're all like yeah like this is like probably a really dumb idea like Jankum points out but we got to do it essentially and Dal walks out because it, I mean it's obviously like weighing very heavy on, 
on him because of like what he says next. Like, you know, if it were just me, sure, I would just go in there, guns blazing, doing what I need to do. But I can't do this. I can't I can't have a half-baked plan. This is going to affect everyone. And this is our Kobayashi Maru. And dad gum, man, if that didn't get me. Um, like the fact that obviously we're seeing character development and growth with Dal. I mean, he learned, even though he was like goofing in the like the first episode back with Kobayashi. But like he learned from the Kobayashi Maru and he's recognizing that this is a potential Kobayashi Maru for for the crew. And like, yeah, let's work together. And like, let's actually put our heads together and think about how we can approach this from the different angles. And then we see it happen in the form of a montage. And I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like this too. Like they're all like, they're all in agreement basically. Hey, yeah, it's a bad idea, but we should do it. And they look to Dal and he just walks away and, and Gwen's like, you said you wanted to be captain. And when we need you to make a decision, you just walk away. And he's like, yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, I don't want to risk losing us, right? What we've built here. And, but like, this is incredible character growth from Dow because episode one Dow mm-hmm. would never have made this decision to go back. He would have been like, forget those people. I tried to escape there. I escaped. I'm free. Like, let them try to escape themselves. And he never would have even given it a thought about going back. But True. now he's like, really like pained over this decision he has to make and he's like i want to go back and help these people we got away i know what it's like to now be away and be free so i need to go back and help these people and over the course of this show like you know we've talked about it they're learning right they're growing into these these roles and you know we've talked about in our ratings hey is this command well this is learning how to be in command and i think like we see that and i'm really i really appreciate this growth that we've seen out of him mm-hmm. 100 100 um yeah and, and there's there's nothing else that needs to be said about that it's just um really really good stuff that's taking place and we see you know um everyone like doing their best like contributing in their own way um like uh, rock talk is like doing some kind of i don't know computer programming stuff like on some kind of pad looking thing um i mean they're all like tinkering around like again they are around a table tinkering with stuff so more more around the table action for eric to to salivate over um and we we see like the develop either the development or a replication i'm not exactly sure what it was unless you guys picked up on it of like these rocket packs like these jet packs for maneuvering around did y'all pick up like if they were making that or if that was being replicated i guess i missed that somehow uh i didn't i didn't see i just thought they found them on the ship okay yeah that's that's what i thought too so I mean, like a little, a few like you know, cute, fun little scenes like with Dow, like just like blowing around on the on the jetpack and um, uh, Murph doing his thing, um, and then of course like Janeway and uh, was it Janeway Rock Talk and was it Gwen, um, sharing like uh, cups of coffee sure. together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Janeway with her holographic coffee, got like a giant holographic coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> You know, another thing I, I really appreciated about this montage 
is that, and we, I, I know that all of us at one point have pointed this out, but Star Trek has become such a run and gun show. And by that, I just mean blast our way out, shoot our way out. And it's like, yeah, I'm used to that in a Star Wars environment. But one of the things that I appreciate about Star Trek is that there, there are plans. There are, you know, using the techno babble, engineering things, coming up with creative solutions, critical thinking. And, you know, it's it obviously we see more of the plan develop in the episode, but just here in the very beginning, they're not, I mean, they did show phasers at one point, but they didn't go straight to like, all right, so here's what we got to do. We got to infiltrate our way in in cool black suits and then just start shooting everything. You know, it, it seems it seemed like in the very beginning, they're actually coming up with a real plan, like a multi-layered kind of plan, which which is nice to see. Yeah. And their well, idea was their idea was we can't outfight him. So we have to outthink him. We have to outsmart him. And that's like a hallmark of Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. Well, and even even hologram Janeway is, is impressed, like with some of the stuff that they're doing. And I think there's like one comment like, hmm. That's a good upgrade. Or that's a nice looking upgrade or whatever it was that they were upgrading. Uh, right. Um, and it wasn't just that, as we see a little bit later on, it's not that it's one person that gets to shine in this episode. Every single person brings something to the table. Even Murph, we later find out. Even Murph has something to offer this mission, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's not the Michael Burnham show. Sure. Yeah, I was trying to say that without saying it, but yes, yes. Well, I, no, I'll, I'll say it. Like I don't, I don't have any problem saying it. Uh, I've come, I've come the, from the future to help you. Who are you? I'm Michael Burnham. <laughs> I solve problems. <laughs> hey, um, y'all ever heard of a Michael? What did you say your name was? Michael Burnham. Now I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. I sent you guys this moment like on a text, right? Like right as I was watching it, but. You know, we're going through this training mon not training montage, this planning montage, planning right? Montage, where we're, yeah. where we go, we're coming up with our plan, we're putting it into action, we've only got a day to do it, so we've got to Dal goes back to his quarters and he opens mm -hmm. up a tray and we see him like look at the little com badge and then he walks out onto the bridge in a Starfleet uniform, right? And then the rest of the crew comes out there in their own uniforms. Mm -hmm. And gosh darn it right that scene like it's so simple but it's like now we're starfleet we feel like we're not a ragtag bunch of escape like prisoners or or you know whatever we are a crew we're starfleet now and just to see them all up there in their uniforms that was like a really touching moment and i i was just like giddy seeing it Back I. to back to jumpsuits, just like Enterprise. And season one, next gen, and DS9, and Voyager. Full <laughs> <laughs> on jumpsuits, gotta love it. I was so I was paying attention to like the the different details of of the uniform, and like you have like that angled split right, like between like a black body and like a gray top type of thing. But you had like there was like a little bit of like some piping um, in between the gray and the black, and I don't know if y'all noticed, but it was like a like a dark blue or something like that. And um, 
even at like they all come out onto the bridge like in these uniforms and then Janeway's like well I feel underdressed and like she puts on like her own like current era whatever uniform but it has like some red on yeah, the shoulders the red command yeah. yeah yeah so I was thinking like with and I'm probably over analyzing it it's fine but we all know colors mean something in Star Trek like between the red the gold and the blue or the teal depending on which era um and I'm wondering, like, if that color that they were wearing, um, if that was specifically for cadets, like if those were like cadet specific uniforms or if those were like somehow like officer uniforms. Like, just I actually, to- yeah, I kind of thought of, thought of them as cadet uniforms because none of the rest of them had any of the colored stripe on the mm-hmm. shoulder aside from Janeway. So, yeah, I, that's kind of what I thought. Unless, like, she had, you know, uploaded, like, the, I don't know, Admiral uniform, where, like, an Admiral uniform is going to be a lot more, you know, fancy than, like, a regular officer uniform. Well, sure, but, I mean, generally, we would have some distinction. Like, if Dallas technically considered captain, there's no stripes, no pips. Um, I guess they did have, did did they all have the same uh, wrist markings? Because that was was a thing on... uh, on uh, the original series, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I I'd have to go and look again. Hmm. Well, there we go. But talk about a moment. We we now have we now know what the current era Starfleet uniforms look like. Uh, we know the uniforms that go with like the weird looking um, com badge slash Delta, uh, which I like the Delta by the way that. Uh, for this year, I think it's pretty cool. Um, but we get to see that, and like they all come in, they take their stations, which that's a moment too. Like when they all take their stations and they're in their uniform, and they've like got a certain now, mind you, yeah, they're still like young, they're still adolescents, they're coming of age, but they've got like this like professionalism and decorum about them that um, I think was like starting to bubble to the surface, but I think it like put it over once they put the uniforms on. Like there's just something about the uniform that just mm-hmm. makes it a little bit more snappy. Yeah, and they all sit down at their stations in their uniforms and Janeway says, you know, you didn't think you were Starfleet, right? But you know, you become, and you were, you were trying to hide the fact that you weren't Starfleet from me. But you know, I've had the pleasure of watching you here become a crew and helping you along that way. Mm-hmm really good stuff oh and and for chase we we got we have his engage yeah we have his <laughs> yeah. engage uh, call is go fast go i know fast. i was i was waiting what's he gonna say what like this the, we're <laughs> so caught up on catchphrases now like what's he gonna say what's he gonna say <laughs> which i think is like very appropriate for Dow, by the way <laughs> go, yeah. fast. Go, fast. go fast go fast okay go fast let's fly go fast better than let's fly execute <laughs> execute hit it execute. hit it <laughs> i personally like hit it though that's that's a fun one well i just i'm just a fan of Lorca's go <laughs> go go <laughs> we need to we need to do like an episode just dedicated to like how to make the ship go like the different like captain catchphrases it'll be like a mini it'll be like five minutes long with like punch it there you go 
just start out with a compilation of everybody saying it just over and over <laughs> again their catchphrases no but i i like go fast that like that when he said that that was like i was a big laugh moment for me i i like the um what jankum said even though he was like i mean jankum was being jankum and i didn't mind what uh, what he said at all um he it, uh, it was about i think the warp core wasn't it um the 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 warp something is a go-go i can't how do you say that what i'm sorry y'all i'm just like blanking right now but um like the whole like that is a go-go and i just love that and then like he like looks back at down he's like ready to go or something like that i i I just love i love that so much um so we 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 set a course for tars lamora um we're we're and he's saying you know um let's let's um maximum warp let's go at maximum warp and uh we dial in we lay in the course uh and we end up going to warp 9.7 if i remember right 9.97 9.97 thank you and from there uh we activate the proto drive and shazam we have I got, little- and i gotta say the visuals here mm-hmm. when they activated the proto warp were mm-hmm. amazing like yeah. just really cool now i want i want to apologize to my to to the listeners because when we first saw the proto drive being activated which i think was like the last episode before we had the break if i'm not mistaken I was not a fan of the proto drive. Like I, I, I think I said like this is like jumping the shark or some nonsense like that. And I have come around to it and its use and everything like that. So, um, like Eric, um, I was thinking about the visuals and, um, and not only that, but I'm like, do you ever like watch like the opening credits that have like different clips and stuff? And you're like, oh, it's from that episode, or I've seen that episode. Well, we, well, this particular clip of like going to to proto warp. Um, was is from the the opening credits when we're seeing the the ship go go fast basically like Dal would say. And um, anyway, absolutely gorgeous. It reminded me a little bit of um, Star Trek: The Motion Picture with how like psychedelic the colors were um, with the warp and everything. But here we are, y'all. We we just like instantaneously arrive at Tars Lamora, and um, the plan is in place. Like the plan is is starting to play out a little bit and uh, the diviner and um and uh oh my gosh dreadnought dreadnought yeah the diviner and dreadnought see it and like oh look how pretty it is come here my pretty <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, that's exactly what happened the end <laughs> tractor beam with the Cation watching all this stuff happen mm-hmm. and we land and we have like some like super like dramatic like music and walking taking place and then this is where stuff gets a little <coughs> interesting for the pray, pray I don't alter the deal further <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it, so the diviner is basically like, listen, I want my progeny to come with me and the protostar. And in exchange, I will give you the the ship that he took off from the asteroid with like earlier, and I'll let all of these unwanted go. 
but I won't do it unless my progeny comes with me. That's a pretty good John Noble, man. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> my progeny. <laughs> I wonder if diviner is just a way of saying father and like, or parent or something like that. But they keep calling him our diviner. Like, our father. Our divine. Our diviner. I don't know. I don't know, man. Is he a priest? Are you trying to give that in the priestly sense? I mean, why not? I don't yeah. know, man. I don't know. I'm just here talking, okay? I'm just yeah, I, yeah. I was told to show up, so I did. But I gotta tell you, there's a moment when they when they set down on the ship and they walk out and they're all in their Starfleet uniforms, that the diviner looks over at them and he goes, Do you know what that uniform stands for? And like Gwyn immediately responds, she's like, a commitment to strive for a better future. And like, I love that line, right? Cause that is totally what Starfleet is and what Starfleet stands for. And like, she gets it. Like you could tell at the beginning of the show, I don't think she thought very highly or any of these people thought very highly of Starfleet or the Federation, but like she gets it, she understands. And because she's learned and you know, she's become part of a crew and Janeway's been there and she's just like a commitment to strive for a better future. And well, then there, the, there, the diviner responds, lies and hypocrisy. Well, there, there's a Which lot of hate. some of that too. There's a lot of hatred on the diviner's part though, towards Starfleet. It's, it's not just like hating a uniform. I mean, he clearly hates the entire idea of, of the Federation, even like, you know, has Gwen take off her, 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 you know, comm badge and he stomps on it. You know what I mean? So there's, there, there's definitely more to the story. And obviously he, he had, you know, uh, the only thing, what was it? Like, uh, the only thing I regret is not telling her the truth or something like that. Um, so again, there, there's, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm wondering if it's, if it really is like, cause we had talked about a little bit last week. Uh, is it really sort of, the kind of the decline of the Federation? Is there something wrong with the Federation at this time period? Or is this guy just a nut? You know, <laughs> but he clearly has a lot of hatred for the Federation. Well, they, with, with the combat, um, they spent a lot of time focusing on those shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I thought there was something there had to be, has to play into a part in this somehow. Right. Because like the way that, Gwen even took the com badge off when the diviner was like, take it off. And then set it uh, in his hand. Yeah, like, it was very, like, to me, I'm wondering if there's like a sleight of hand type of thing going on with the com badge. Like, if there was like another one or perhaps, I don't know, I'm just going there for a second, like, perhaps the one that she put down was like made from like her, her ninja goop that's like on her arm or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, and like the real, there's a real com badge that's like in her pocket or, or something, um, so that they can like stay in communication while she's on the protostar and they're on, um, the asteroid. Yeah. That's an interesting idea. Um, because like, I mean, we know that com badges can be like stomped on and broken and stuff, but it was just different. Like how it like kind of came apart and again like they spent like there were at least three very specific shots of the combat that they like spent a lot of time on like taking it yeah. off the uniform setting it on the ground 
actually four, stomping on it and then watching it kind of like blow away as we see stuff start to explode. So yeah. there's got to be something to it, in my opinion. I just want to say like, like while Gwyn is like agreeing to go with them, she's like, it's the only way. And they're like, well, you can't go with him. Like you can't, like you have to stay with us. You belong with us now. Right. And there's like, you can tell that the crew really means that. Mm-hmm. And when she says, this is something I've got to do, I, I've got to do this, right? I've got to go, I've got to help all these people. And then she and Dal share this like hug embrace. And it's not, it's just like a friendship hug embrace. Like, you mean a lot to me. And here I'm kind of making a sacrifice to help you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, again, it's a really touching moment. Yeah. I really, hope that they don't do like a romance between down no, it did and- it didn't feel like a romantic hug it, it at all to me oh no i 100 percent agree that it was more much more friendship than it was romantic but i mean i want to see like a um like an archer to paul i want to see a janeway chakotay like professional like relationship like forget like the whatever like the extended universe stuff is like with janeway and chakotay like with have, like getting married Listen, and having babies and stuff. There was there was there was something between Janeway and Chakotay in the first few seasons that was not just friendship. There was some intimacy in in some of their interactions there at the beginning. They they dropped it, but it was there in the beginning. And yes, then, and, and you clearly don't remember all of the scenes with Archer and T'Pol in the uh, in the decon chamber. Or in their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> or being tied up. Yeah, they were tied up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the point is, I, I, I want them to like continue to have like this friendship, this like this professional something or another. Like, you know, like I I just want to see that. Like too often, like we have on film and television that, you know, a man a man and a woman like working together and they fall for each other and we don't need that every doggone time like we don't need to turn that into a formula that we constantly go to and see it play out like let's let's stay away from it in my opinion well i mean romantic devices are a way to push ratings in a lot of cases i mean you see it in a ton of shows i mean even like uh, paris and and balana i mean that sort of stuff it's fine but it's usually for you know longer run of things but I think that this show is a little bit more basic. It's trying to explore the actual fundamental themes of of Star Trek as opposed to ratings chase. And I mean, there it's also a kids show. This was uh, on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Well, it will be eventually. It will be. It, yeah. But, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, okay. But yeah, it is a Nickelodeon show. Yes. So I, I just I don't necessarily think that that's going to be something that they that they're going to feel the need to to explore but obviously well, they they have a broader connection which stems back to the very beginning where mm-hmm. Dow told her all the stories and everything so well, I, I mean Nickelodeon has felt the need to go there I mean right from the yeah, very beginning so. in Avatar the last airbender it was Aang and Korra it was like romantic for him right from the start Aang Katara that's why I said Katara you said Korra did I yeah yeah Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I, yeah, Aang and Katara. You're wrong! Who's Korra? That's the... Who's Korra? I don't know who Korra is. 
why I say Cora. Okay. All right, let's let's keep on trucking. So, kind of this stuff is like going by really, really fast. Um, this next part. So we have the Diviner, we have um, General Grievous, and we have uh, Gwyn that are on the Protostar, and they're going away. And he's like, "Get that lady out of my face!" Speaking to Hollow Janeway, like overwrite her, get rid of her, and then we turn it. We get like a zombie. An emo Jane emo Janeway, like all in like, you know, um, grayscale basically. Uh, I don't like coffee. Coffee makes me feel too alive. <laughs> it's a very emo Janeway. Thank you, David, for that. Appreciate it, but you're welcome. Um, and. And like, you know, um, I said I would give them a ship, not that they would live or something like that. And like deciding he's going to like blow everything up and try basically leave them stranded. And uh, Gwen is doing her best to distract her father through all of this stuff. And uh, Dreadnought is saying, don't listen to her. It's a bad idea. She shouldn't be here. Like back the truck up, man. And going back and forth, back and forth between bad guys on the Protostar and the Proto crew down on the asteroid. Uh, back and forth, back and forth, and there's explosions, and the cat, the cation is watching all this stuff happen, and oh my gosh, drama! Yeah, but also we're we're learning the diviner is starting to tell this story. He's like, you know, when I first saw the protostar, I was just blinded by duty and obligation, right? So I wasn't even thinking of you, and and we're we're, we're like we've been curious as what his motivations have been this entire time. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I don't know. You can probably try to piece together a little bit of a theory here about what's happened. And you know, I'm not the biggest theory crafter, but it seems like we've we've heard them say, you know, they're the last of their race, right? There's no more Vaunaket out there. And when he created his progeny, you know, he did that out of need, right? We saw that flashback where, like, he he had to make one. He had to make his own. So like. You know, is he using the protostar? Are they is his race dead? Are they the last of them? Right? Did does he need the protostar? Is somehow gonna like save his people or make more of them? I don't know. But like we can we can start to build some kind of idea. Who knows exactly what it is? But there's some information that we're learning here. It'd be interesting if the reason that they needed the proto drive, the protostar like the proto warp stuff is because we know that you can travel great distances in like minutes, seconds, hours, whatever. It'd be interesting maybe if they were from a different galaxy. Like what if the Val Naket tie to what we're dealing with in Discovery? Quit it, Chase. Just quit it. Everything yeah. doesn't have to be connected. Tell that to Alex Kurtzman. Killing me, man. This is me and my theory crafting. My theory crafting at its finest, everyone. Yay. Okay. And most of the theories turn out to be wrong. But it's fun to talk about anyway. Is it? Is it? Well, you know, I'm I'm probably like way off with this, but I kind of got to thinking about so. I mean, the proto drive is is pretty amazing for its travel capability, but it is uh, a massive power source as well. Giant, giant fusion reactor. Yeah, 
So if we're if we're building under the assumption that these are the last two of their race and somehow the diviner can uh, create his own progeny daughter through whatever process that might be and we're specifically calling him the diviner right which le- which would kind of lead my mind to think about like almost a plan or creation or you know something almost biblical or godlike in a way what if this were kind of like something more like a like a secondary genesis device so it's kind of like more of a he maybe he wants to use this power source more as a a way to bring back life to say their planet or system or whatever it might be what if there's more technology to the to that particular thing because i mean we saw we saw a genesis device in uh uh what movie was that um wrath of khan search for spock yeah Yeah. so i mean what if it's more something akin to creation or rebirth than than travel because travel is really simple to me i mean travels travel You're, you're just going from one point to another what if it were far more because he talks about duty as well what's what's his duty would his duty be to his people? Is his duty to Starfleet? Was he, you know, whatever? What, what was, what is his actual duty? And I'm just thinking about because the the other thing we see about him in the early point is that he's basically in a, you know, in a tank. He's clearly was clearly weakened. Was that the process of the creation of the prog- progeny, like longer term, or is he just terminally terminally ill, or something like that? could a massive power source increase his ability to say procreate a race or something like that does it require energy i don't know but i i kind of and and again it's 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 a really big bit of speculation but i i almost would be kind of disappointed if it were just travel yeah me too sure whether it's to one of the quadrants that we know of or to a neighboring or a distant galaxy yeah but like to your point david like with like the the tank that he's in and like the weakness or the weakened state or whatever we want to call it for him um even whenever he steps out of the tank like he he has to wear this new suit uh, of sorts like with like some kind of like liquid still i guess like intravenously you know coursing or whatever through him to i guess sustain him in some way so because because you see like even with gwyn Gwyn doesn't have like the little like IV suit that he's wearing. So I don't know. I don't know. But on one hand, like I'd be cool if it were traveling, like we're, we're going to go like to a different part or we're going to like, we're going to like explore more of the gamma quadrant or like other aspects of the Delta quadrant that we had, we never saw like with Voyager or deep space nine. But at the same time, I think it would be kind of neat in a way to go to like a distant galaxy where maybe he is this like godlike entity, this even like this military heroic figure that had like a fall from grace type of thing, um, too. Like there's so much galaxy to be explored, not just like with the Milky Way. Um, and it would I think it would open up a lot of storytelling 
um, to keep Star Trek going in a way. Which is, I guess, like that's kind of counter to what you were just saying. Like, I don't want it just to be about traveling, but um, either way, yeah. I'd be happy with it. So, um, the gravity goes out. So, coming back to the episode, the gravity goes out. He's like shooting stuff, like double crossing people, which we kind of expected the double cross to take place. Gravity's like going out and people are starting to like float away the oh before before even then like dreadnought um disabled um all like the prisoner cuffs basically and um and through the, all this closure and the little guard droids yep and the guard droids and the power's going out so not only have we lost gravity but we've lost power um seemingly lost power through most of the of the facility and people are starting to float away and if we don't act fast life support is going to go bye-bye real quick so we're just like scrambling to like just hold on to each other, which yep. mm-hmm. we could talk well, about we, that if we really wanted to. But we learned that like they had they had expected the diviner to double cross them and they were like, all right, now he's gone. Let's let's uh, cut the act. Right. Right. And that's that's again like we we had a plan. We executed mm-hmm. a plan. Right. We thought this out. We didn't just come in guns blazing. Right. And uh, they're like, didn't Zero beam down before us? And they're... Like, Wait, Zero's right there. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used the uh, the 3D printer to make a Zero suit. And uh, it's Murph with the Protostar. With uh, the Protodrive, yeah. Protodrive, sorry. Yeah, with the Protodrive that he's the holding core, on The core to. of it inside yeah, yeah. him, right? Yeah. Because he's indestructible. That's right. Seemingly right? indestructible. Right? And this is like... This is like... You said Murph doesn't do anything. Yes, he does. Becomes very important here. It, not of his own original thought. Do you think he just all of a sudden popped How up in the shadows? How like, do you hey, know it I'll wasn't totally his? Swallow that. Oh my God, Murph, you can talk, and you want to swallow this? How do you know it wasn't his sweet? idea? We never, we didn't see. God, right. Like that a, was part of like the turn. Right. We didn't. This has to be the the surprise turn. It's like right? it's, so it's, we don't it's, we don't know like, that he didn't come up and say, Hey, let I've got this idea. I'll swallow the proto drive. Mm. It's like a it's like a Swiss Alps. Uh, uh, what are those? What are those dogs? The uh, Saint Bernards with his little barrel around his 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 throat with like hot chocolate in it. That's what Murph is. He's just a Saint Bernard bringing his little barrel around to help people out with a nice warm drink. <laughs> I like. The, I don't know why I like this so much, but Dal really gets to stand out as a captain at this point where. He's like, all right, guys, this is like a slight setback with what he did. We kind of expected this sort of thing to happen, but I need you three to go do this, and myself and Zero are going to go do this. Yeah, and we that's need to it. Move, we need to move quickly. Very quickly. Yep, yep. If we're going to save everyone. And then we fire up our jetpacks to go do that, our thing. We go in different directions, and then scene. That's the episode. Well, like, there, there's one, there's one small detail, but... Um, back on the protostar, the diviner was starting to do their little glowy mind, mind meld technique. Yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, uh, at least by the dialogue, Gwen could learn sort of more of why the diviner is doing what it, what he's doing. But then he senses that she's hiding something, and she's the stall. But unbeknownst to our our folks on the planet, they know that eventually they'll have to redeal with the diviner. But 
it's relatively quick. I mean, he, he figures it out. So they're on their way back. So they do have to motor it. But yeah, that scene, like they, it's like they took like the snipping tool, like in like, you know, Premiere Pro or something like that. And they just cut it. They like export it. There we go. We're just going to export this video file. And that is part one. And then we'll just pick up on the other side of this snip with part two. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> twenty-four minutes. Yeah. Twenty-four yeah. minutes, y'all. It felt like it felt like ten. It really yeah. did. It felt so fast. Did y'all see how many people uh, got like writing credit for this episode? Well, yeah. It, I think they every person who had written an episode before this got writing credit in this. It's like one of those we're in the room as a team and we're just we're you know we're all coming up with the idea instead of like written by and then like story by credits it's like mm -hmm. everybody got it written by yeah it's a lot man it was a lot no a i lot. totally contributed do you remember that one sound effect that was made well, that was my I think idea it's, i think it's just a, like a like hey this was a group effort thing so everyone should get credit yeah participation trophies bunch of well it's like it's like it's like it's like if you're in a band right and you're writing a song like everybody in the band contributes something to the how the song comes together yeah. but sometimes only one person gets a writing credit e even ringo even ringo star eric he got he that dude is a metronome like uh, he he is like right. kept perfect time like he was never once out of time ever like uh, and that's that's something to speak of that man is a human metronome i love it when a plan comes together but David, you know what I mean. Yeah. Anything, anything else about this episode that we need to hash out before we move into um, the evaluation portion of this episode? No, I don't think nope, so. Nope, nope. Okay. All right, everyone. So let's. Um, we're going to go ahead and talk about some of the evaluation components, like how we um, would uh, would view the different delta stuff, as well as the numeric ratings. So if this is your first time listening, we're going to start out with our delta ratings. Uh, Delta, the Delta is where we look at the different divisions of Starfleet and um, how well they are represented. Uh, specifically, the, the command division with leadership and leadership theory type of stuff, um, things that leaders do, um, engineering and um, operations division, so um, te technology, logistics, um, technobabble, um, just engineered stuff, and science, which kind of speaks for itself. So uh, that being said, Let's uh, let's start with David for uh, for this episode's Delta rating. Um, I, I mean, for for me, I, I actually would be completely all right with you know like full full kind of Delta coverage for this episode. Um, you have a plan that involves multi layers, um, engineering of uh, another zero suit, even though they are just using a 3D printer. I mean, come on, how hard is it to load resin? Uh, but anyway, no, I, I like I, I like the fact that we're using creative uh, problem solving. We're actually going through a plan, and it was a quick montage, but we got the pieces and parts, and now we're seeing the payoff, and I assume that we'll see more of that payoff in the second part. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess scientifically, maybe there could be an argument where that was a little meh, but they did kind of figure out how to sort of separate the proto drive and put it into Murph, which 
I guess, had to question some sort of science of will this melt Murph into a into a nice little charred puddle, which it didn't. So there we go. Um, but I mean, command was probably the strongest thing for me. And we, we talked about that a lot. I mean, Dow's growth in here, even the dilemma of, you know, the, the one versus the many uh, and, and still overriding the fact that this would be a risk to the crew, but it was better for the whole, you know, for all the people that they had kind of left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just the obvious growth and, and then also supporting uh, supported by Gwen, who goes in there and realizes her captain is trying to make a difficult decision. I mean, how many times have we seen supporting characters in every single show go to the captain to kind of reinforce them in whatever decision they might make? It's not really necessarily an influence. It's just like, hey, you know, you're the captain. You need to make a decision. Here's the factors. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do type of deal? So I appreciate that. And then, you know, Janeway continuing to be a ballast to everything, you know, giving the sort of words of encouragement uh, is is a continuing factor in there. So I don't know. I'm perfectly cool with just kind of giving the full spread here. Okay. How about you, Eric? Yeah, it, it, in a sense, like, I, I agree with David, like, the science part is hard to, to rate because we don't know the full extent of their plan. You have to assume that their plan involves sciencing their way out of it somehow, right? They got the jetpacks and, you know, what are they going to do to, like, follow up with this? Um, and, yeah, you can infer that there was some science discussions during our our montage. Um, so science is the one I guess you could argue maybe isn't there. Uh, you know engineering you know we definitely would come up with a plan you know we built the other zero suit we had to extract the the protocore right that's an engineering feat um yeah so i'm i'm totally confident comfortable giving engineering uh command man this is this is like one of those things where discovery has been lacking great leadership and that's like i want a good strong captain and you know we have that here we have like dal from where he was in episode one to where he is now he has been molded into a really good leader and i think you know a lot of that is you know the training program of janeway she's been that steady hand there that steady guide offering encouragement and words of wisdom um and she's molded him into this really great leader who like cares about his crew and and has to make tough decisions and he recognizes yeah. this is his own Kobayashi Maru situation right and he's like all right we're gonna do this we got a plan you're gonna do this you're gonna do this and it's all gonna come together but then I also think Gwyn you know she shows a lot of like good strong command and leadership decisions here we don't know like the full extent of did she think that she was going to have to go with the diviner or not? Like, did, was she thinking that in her mind and just didn't tell anybody? But like, I think this is a good command decision on her even saying like, I'm going with her because that's like what a leader will do to like, Hey, the needs of the many instead of the needs of the one. And I think I, I was reminded of this like quote that Pike spoke in, in season two of discovery he's like starfleet is a promise you know i lay down my life for you you lay down your life for me 
right? And then she's she's showing that here by saying, "Look, I'll go with the I'll go with him, if that's what it takes to help you." And I'm I'm all there. So like engineering and command, I'm ecstatic about in this episode. Very good, very good. Yeah, like like we we talked about a lot um, at the beginning of our discussion with uh, with just sitting around a table having a conversation coming up with a plan not just having a half-baked one like the consideration for one another um, the consideration for you know the group and what we all have to offer and the montage of like working on things building things programming things mapping things right and then beginning to execute it um love love loved it. i've loved seeing the growth in all our characters in different way it, even even jankum like jankum i i couldn't stand the beginning but like i can i can stand him now like i'm, I'm in a much better place with jankum now in episode nine than i was in, in episode one which that's good storytelling that's good character development as far as i'm concerned um like like i spent some time with with zero i just love it when zero like talk science to me you know what i'm saying like um like bringing up like a star chart or talking about uh warp matrix or you know busting out like even like a tricorder whenever they were on murder planet and like scanning things um love it so unquestionably this this episode gets full marks right for uh, for like the command division um building things programming things full marks on um, on the the engineering and, and operation stuff, there's certainly been some planning, some coordination, some techno stuff that's been taking place. But even with Murph, like we've seen with Murph um, over the course of this season, that the guy's indestructible. He can swallow some things. He he. There's like a certain um, quality about him to where there's a capacity for him to handle something right at like a at a biological level so am i doing some gymnastics to be able to say science yeah probably but like the fact that we're utilizing him to contain a baby star right is is good like we're, we're kind of talking biology like in terms of science i'd say but there's still a case for it um so i think every division is is covered here like we're all saying and like Eric was saying, like you kind of have to like assume, in a way, that there's they're going to science their way out of it. That there was some, some sort of like science discussion that was truly taking place that we just have yet to see play out. Which ideally, we'll see next week in part two. Um, one thing that I'm kind of hoping both does and doesn't happen, which is kind of a weird thing, is you know they talked about how you know we can either. A, go to the Federation and them come in and save the day, or we can go in and do it. I'm wondering if they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Like if they somehow were able to send like a long range communication to the Federation saying, hey, any available ships come to Tars Lamora at these corps, these star coordinates, because we're going to need help. Like I'm wondering if we're going to see some more, more of the fleet just show up and if that's going to be like, a type of grand entrance for Chakotay. Because we know Chakotay is supposed to show up. And I'm wondering if if it was just the one-off with like the hologram. Yeah, come on now. 
you know, I, well, I, I don't really like that idea because, like, Me either, by the season, way. W- season one of Picard, how did it end? Big, big fleet of ships show up to help at the fight. Yep. How did season three of Discovery end? A big fleet of ships showed up to save them at the end, right? How did season one of Lower Decks end? Well, it wasn't a big fleet of ships, but it was a ship that came in to help with the big fight at the end, right? So it's like, that to me is boring because we've seen it happen a bunch. So I want, I don't want that. I don't think I would like that at all. Sure. Well, just just as a quick tag, tag into that. Again, aren't we talking about future, the future here? Like, I, I just, I don't really see aside from like cryostasis exactly how we're supposed to bring Chakotay into this. Like, how does that even work? Time travel, baby. Time travel. (laughs) All right. Well, that was a that was a fun aside. Let's move into our numerical rating on this one. Uh, So, on a scale of one to ten, one being a dumpster fire, ten being fantastic, amazing, perfection, whatever we want to call it. Ten just being amazing. Um, But let's go in reverse order on this one. Let's uh, let's start with Eric. Yeah. So it's it. This episode is hard to rate for me because it doesn't feel like a complete episode. Anytime you have like part one of a two part, I, you, you want to be satisfied that part one exists on its own and like you don't need to watch part two necessarily to enjoy part one or to fully understand part one. And I feel like, yes, there are lots of times on part one's end as cliffhangers, but like best of both worlds part one, I can enjoy on its own. Right, I, I feel like that is a complete episode in in and of itself, right? Whereas this this just doesn't feel like a complete episode, and so it really really left me wanting, right? And this is where we get into the fact that hey, this is it's twenty four minutes, right? Like, you know, ep- the premiere of this was Lost and Found. It was part episodes one and two, and it was. 44 minutes, right? And you think, oh, it's a two-part episode. Well, it really wasn't. It was just one normal Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm. And we look at, like, Dreamcatcher and Terra, Terra Firma. You know, that got split up into two parts. But really, that's like one Star Trek episode, right? If you just play them back-to-back, that would feel like a normal Star Trek episode. And I think that that's what we're going to get here, like this should be just like one normal episode but it really left me wanting at the end and some some would say that's a good thing like hey that's the whole point of the episode is to is to try to draw you in and bring you back for the next week but it left me wanting in like the wrong way like there's so much good stuff here with like the character development and the storytelling and the growth but it's just it felt like it was 10 minutes it really, it really just felt short and the ending was just like so abrupt. And while I like it, those things just, just, just are going to detract for me, right? And I'm not going to be as high on this episode as I have been on the past three. But with that said, it's still better than most other Star Trek things that we have reviewed in recent memory. Um, I'm going to go with an 8.5. Okay. How about you, David? Yeah, so I, I actually think it would have been 
a better overall idea. Although I think better might be subjective, but if we would have just had one more standalone episode and just have wrapped this up in a longer episode, like a longer finale. But I mean, I get it. I get why they did it in the way they did it. Um, now I, I have a bit harder time giving ratings to episodes that haven't ended yet. Mm-hmm. Cliffhangers and so forth are, are a little yeah. hard. I still, you know, I think that the content of the episode was was really good. Um, you know, I like the uniforms. I like the uh, the you know the pre-planning. Um, I like the crew coming together moment. But yeah, it was so short. It was it was it was like just a blip on the radar as far as actual time, despite it being effectively the same same length as everything we've seen for the most part, I believe. Sure. Um, so I think honestly, <laughs> that 8.5 really surprised me. It really, what, that it was that high or was that? Yeah, that, that it was that high. Uh, I, cause I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to just like put a low score on it because I really did enjoy myself. But at the same token, I'm left on such a hanger that I, I'm finding it hard to, I'm finding it hard to go there with it. Um, because you know the last episode I gave a ten to because it was, in my opinion, the perfect episode. I didn't feel rushed. I know you guys did a little bit more than I did, but I didn't feel rushed on that episode. I felt that it was literally as good as it could possibly be for this series. Um, I'm just going to throw an 8.4 just so that I don't like, <laughs> I, I don't seem too contrarian, but I not as high as Eric because it shocked me. You shocked me, Eric. Uh, but I would also say, I think it would be a smart idea to leave this open to reinterpretation next week. Sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I put an asterisk next to these. <laughs> <laughs> I can do if you that. Don't get, if you don't <laughs> give me the payoff I want, I'm marking you down. Okay, so we have we have provisional we have provisional ratings, y'all. Provisional. Welcome to provisional ratings. Yeah, for me, I like the the both the times that I watched this, like the one by myself and then the one with the family. Um, I just I couldn't believe how quickly this episode ended. Like you just blink once and it's over and like, oh my goodness. Like, and, and to David's point, like 24 minutes long, I mean, that's how like all of them are. Right. I mean, except for like, um, lost and found, which was 44 or 45 minutes long. Um, I thought it was really strong, um, in terms of like from the time that we are are talking about last week's episode with the crew to the time that we uh we you know proto warp back to Tars Lamora. Like I just I thought that was very, very strong. Not that the last part wasn't strong, it was just incomplete um to me. Because we didn't get like we saw the realization of the planning manifest, but we didn't get to see the outcome of the planning it was just like we were, I mean, we were like, literally, like I was just kind of joking, like, let, let's just snip it here, export the video file and upload it type of thing. Um, so 
I enjoyed the heck out of this. We got to see some like payoff in ways like with character development. We got to see some like significant growth as a result of that. And um, I don't know, like it's it's not a 9.75 for me, but I don't know if I want to go all the way down to like a mid eight either. Um, I thought there was a lot of really good stuff about it. Mine, I mean, except for like the time thing, like and just like the like it felt rushed a little bit, especially at the end. I think I'm gonna go, like, I think I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna go with an eight eight on this, with an asterisk. Look at look at us being non-committal. <laughs> the one time, the one time we are being non-committal. Um, all right. Well, we will um, we'll come back to to this and um, have an opportunity to either revise it once we've seen the whole story, or what we can do is um, just give like a, a a moral star, like entire rating, right? Next time, we'll see. You know, I was just looking at the the Trek Core review of this episode. Did okay. you know that Tars Lamora or a moral star? is an anagram of Tars Lamora. How about that? <laughs> Mind blown. I know. All right. Well, that that puts um, this week's um, average rating for us at um, an 8.56 or just an 8.6. There we go. Uh, which is our, let's see, that's one, two, it's our fourth highest rated episode, I think. Mm-hmm. After the, the last, after the last three. Yeah, I mean, we did have an average rating of um, an eight on what was that? Um, I think that was Dreamcatcher. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the average rating for Lost and Found was seven five. We had a seven nine on Starstruck, eight point for Dreamcatcher, 7.3, Terror Firma, and then like the really high ones uh, from Kobayashi onward. So y'all, I'm not ready for this this to end next week. I'm not. Don't make, don't, no, Eric, make it stop. It, it's gonna end, right? Buddy, can you just math something and make it not? Why did like why can't we just play all 20 episodes 20 weeks in a row of this show? <laughs> like I mean I, I mean maybe they're not all done, right? Cuz there was some delays in animation we heard. I don't want it to end. I don't want to go. No. Like, like hell, hell, I would probably just listen to like the voice acting of this show, right? If you just like put out a file with okay, there's no video, but Here's all the just the voice work from the characters and where you're hearing the dialogue. I'd probably listen to that. Just Dude, give me that right now. I, yeah. <laughs> I, look, I've listened to plenty of um, audio dramas, right? Like um, uh, Big Finish. They do they do great work with like the Doctor Who series and like their audio dramas. And um, a lot of the time they'll get like some of the um, the actual characters, like the, the actual actors to reprise their roles and stuff. So. I'd be all for that, all for that. And I know I keep saying I don't want to go um, when it comes to this thing, but 
before we go, we gotta do we gotta do something, y'all. We gotta talk about this here Twitter poll. So, Eric, you got your Twitter poll. So here we go, bud. Okay. Um, we had a a huge sample size on this one. Okay. So here here's the question. Uh, we we kind of like. I think talked about this briefly um, towards the end of last week, trying to figure out what we're going to do. But I, I put it out there um, to to the people of the Twitter: What would you rather have us discuss slash review for February? Choices were the autobiography of Jean Luc Picard or Q squared. Okay. Okay. Well, as we have learned, I'm not very I'm not very tapped into the Twitter sphere. Right? I'm always wrong. Like whatever I would choose is never what's at the top, <laughs> right? Like David and I were both shocked that Rock Talk was like at the top of like yeah. which character do you most relate to? <laughs> like <Sure>. whoa, <laughs> what? Like, we're we are both like Gwyn and Gwyn got zero percent of the vote. <laughs> I mean, my guess would be that more people would want to hear about Picard than Q. That would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, same. Okay. Which, by the way, the people have chosen, so whoever the winner is, that's the book we're going to do for our book review in February. Okay. Okay, okay. David, what would you choose? Maybe you voted. I don't know if you voted or not. I mean, what, what would I choose between yeah, the like, two? What were our choices again? Something about Q and something about Picard? Yep. What was the Picard thing? The autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard, and then the other one was Q squared. Is the autobiography like the thing he was writing in the Picard series? I don't know, maybe. No, it's like, here's the autobiography of Catherine Janeway, right? And it says, compiled by Una McCormick. Hmm. But it's written as if... It's written as if, like, Janeway wrote it herself. Or Picard or whoever. Yeah, I think there's yeah. one of, of Kirk and Spock as well. Yeah. There's no Cisco Cisco one yet. Cisco what's the Q one. what's the Q thing about? Do you have the book? Yeah. It's about it's about Q and Trelane, the squire of Gothos. And it like it officially makes Trelane a Q. I know people have speculated <laughs> about that for a long time. Trelane was a goofy character. And as you guys know, I only really cared for one particular Q episode. Oh, I didn't know that. Ah, uh, yeah, Tapestry. Oh, uh, well, I mean, obviously Tapestry. Man, I mean, does he ever go into the mariachi band? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's terrible. Gosh, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a big Picard guy. The autobiography might be interesting. I just don't know how those are particular you know, how those are particularly compiled. So sure. I guess that might be my vote. Okay. All right. Did, Although did, the Q book actually sounds like a real book. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. So it sounds like David's going with um Picard. I leave it, I leave it to the fates. Okay. Eric, did you have a definitive one or not? Or no? Yeah, I said I said Picard, right? Okay. But yeah, David's leaving it in the hands of the prophets. Okay, that's a good episode, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's sad though. Oh yeah. no, in the hands of the yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, all right, so here we go. There's there are only two two choices, so you're gonna automatically know who won and who lost. All right, with this is very close. By the way, I was watching the poll go back and forth. 
and for a little for the longest time it was straight up 50 50 by the way straight up 50 50. so where we ended though with 42.9 percent of the vote 42.9 percent of the vote went to the autobiography of jean-luc picard which means that 57.1% of the vote went to Q squared. So the oh. book that the book that we'll be reviewing for um, for our February book review will be Q squared, everyone. So there you go. There you go. Okay. And uh, there is also um, an audio drama that um, that's going to be coming out, and um, maybe I can talk uh, one or both of the guys into doing it considering the audio drama is all of an hour and 40 minutes uh it'd be like a quick listen um it's only on i think like audible or something like that or maybe it's somewhere else but um it's an hour and 40 minutes just to listen to so it's not a book or anything but uh maybe we could arrange something and, and do that in february also or maybe the first of march just do that as well so uh, it's called no man's land it's a star trek picard audio drama so there we go guys that's it that's it. So I hope everyone um, enjoyed the episode. Um, Y'all have to join us and come back and listen to our discussion uh, for the um, conclusion of part A of season one or something like that. However, they're organizing this dang thing um, and see how Amoral Star part two ends, how the whole Amoral Star story ends as a result. So guys, thank you so much for the discussion and being flexible and you know, just having a good old time chit-chatting uh, with this. We had a few technical difficulties in trying to put this episode together, but we got through it somehow. Um, anyway, what did y'all think of the episode? Did y'all enjoy it? Um, did you think it went by really fast or did it drag on for you? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Remember, you can connect with us on all the things. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTVPod. You can learn more about us at TRTVPod.com, ways to support the show either by telling your friends, sharing the webpage, the socials, or even financially supporting by buying some merch or, um, you know, being a, a, a supporter on Patreon, patreon.com slash these are the voyages. Uh, there's a bunch of affordable tiers there as well. Uh, if you do want to get a hold of us, you can do that. Make sure you um, open up hailing frequencies and enter in coordinates to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three minute limit. So be quick, like really quick, by the way, but not too quick. We've got to understand you. Uh, finally, if you um, are feeling generous and you want to mail us something like, I don't know, Murph holding something or just like some sweet new um, jumpsuit uniforms, please send the uniforms. Those are cool, by the way. Uh, you can you can do that. Send it to the Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to us today. And as we leave here, remember to boldly go and make it so. I think we need to invent a game called Shatner where someone yells Shatner at you and then you have to overreact whatever it is you are currently doing. <laughs> is that a proto star shirt? It is.
I didn't. I mean, obviously, I didn't know they made that yet. I got it on Etsy. Oh, okay. Oh, illegal merch. Yeah, man. I can send you uh, the link. Unofficial, unlicensed. That's right. Not, ili- not illegal. Definitely illegal. <laughs> unofficial, reframe. unlicensed. That's a great it's, only, it's only legal <laughs> until they send you a cease and desist. <laughs> David, David, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. <laughs> this is what I've been waiting for. I have, right? I've supplanted him. <laughs> <laughs> I have taken over. Yeah, and a Vespa. And a Vespa. As a, a, of, as a shuttle, that's a, as a shuttle stream. Stream. that's a lot of stream crossing that Eric doesn't know about yet. Yeah, yeah I don't understand the reference <laughs> to the scooter. Not a scooter. It's a Vespa. Uh, go, go, Power Rangers. That's right. <laughs> Cross the streams. Coming. Coming fall 2030, the Mighty Morphin <laughs> Powercast. Man, I'm just like a factory for podcast ideas. I'm just saying, man. I'm pretty sure what all this is going to wind up being is it'll just be one, one podcast. Just it's called Cross Stream. And it will Ooh, be every- <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Coming fall 2022, Crossing the Streams, not a Ghostbusters podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I came here for Ghostbusters. But I stayed for the Power Rangers and Gunsmoke. Burn burn ham. Something burn? about hams. Mm. Captain Jean-Luc Picard, USS <laughs> Enterprise. Captain. Okay, never mind.